Well, Brother Skeeter, thank you for leading us in our song selection this morning. We really appreciate whenever you're able to come off the bench. You are the sixth man of the year, if no one has told you. We thank you so much for leading us in worship. Brother Ugo, thank you for the wonderful, wonderful communion thought. We appreciate you. And I also have to say a special thank you to Don. Don, uh, if you didn't know, decorated our auditorium with these wonderful, beautiful lights and these, uh, Alicia, what are they called again? Poinsettias, there you go, poinsettias. I could never figure out that name. So Don, thank you for your effort uh, there. Want to say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord, amen? If you're visiting with us for the first time this morning, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest. And we're so thankful and appreciative that you are here today. Uh, and we believe you've come to the right place because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. Amen? Amen. Well, this morning I, I want to say a, a special welcome. Uh, but before I do that, I, I want to know by a show of hands, how many of you here this morning read the Christian Chronicle or subscribe to that? Okay, a few of you. What I want you to do is after the service today, you go investigate the Christian Chronicle. What it is, it's a Church of Christ uh, publication that has been in existence for some time now, and it gives you all the up-to-date information you want to know about what's going on in the brotherhood here locally and around the world. So check out the Christian Chronicle. We have uh, uh, one of our brothers here who is a writer for the Christian Chronicle. His name is Bobby Ross, and he's sitting in the back there, and with him today is his daughter, Kendall. And they are out this way. They decided to come out this way. Kendall is actually thinking about Pepperdine University. Amen. So she's thinking about going out that way, uh, which is a great school. Harding is better, but <clears throat> don't, don't worry about that. Um, so they're out this way. And Bobby got to do a couple of stories this uh, weekend. So I know he's exhausted. He was out in San Bernardino. Uh, you all know about the tragedy out there. Some of our local churches were impacted and affected by that uh, tragedy. So he did a story about that. He did a story about a church plant. And then he did a story about this preacher being a rapper and a preacher at the same time. I don't know who that is, but uh, we're so thankful that he's come out and he's here with us this morning. We pray for safe travels as you depart. And Bobby will probably have to take off here pretty soon. So if you don't see him, it's not because he doesn't like the preaching, hopefully, but he has to uh, take off uh, uh, immediately after the service today. Well, this morning, I want to let you know that we are beginning a new four-part sermon series on the subject of... Advent. And you know, Advent is, is typically five uh, Sundays long, amen. So we touched a little bit on it last week and giving you some definitions. But today, uh, we're going to start our series on, on Advent. And I don't know about you, but the holidays have always been problematic for me. And the reason they're problematic is because it starts, first of all, with harvest time or, or Halloween. And you know what the kids do during that time? They go trick-or-treating, amen. And then they come home with this big bag of candy. And it's mom and dad's job to check the candy. And the way I check is I have to test a few pieces, amen, before I begin. And then I realize that I eat all the good stuff before they can even get to it. So I begin to eat starting harvest time or Halloween. And then Thanksgiving comes. And what do you do during Thanksgiving? You eat, amen. And then they have this event called Black Friday right after Thanksgiving. So you can become a glutton and a hoarder within two days, amen, within two days, and it's really problematic, and then, and then Christmas comes, and if you're like my family, you know what you do during Christmas as well. You eat 
So we eat up everything for like three months. And then January comes, and you know what everybody's New Year's resolution is. It's to lose those two pounds that you gain. Most of you gain about, you know, two pounds. Me, about 10 or 15, amen, of all the food that you've been eating. And I fall into this cycle, it seems like, every single year. But, but we love the holidays, don't we? And in America, you know, the holiday that we really celebrate and we really love is Christmas. However, like Ugo said in his comments, which I think were so special, he said many Americans today don't understand the holidays. And in particular, when it comes to Christ- uh, Christmas, many, many Americans today don't understand the liturgical side of Christmas. So today, I wanted to flesh out a couple of concepts this morning so that you can share this Advent story with your friends, with your family members, and with your neighbors. And let me say this to you. This would be a great sermon series for you to invite your your neighbors uh, to. And I want to say this. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up in the Church of Christ, and I grew up in a very uh, conservative branch of the Church of Christ where we didn't celebrate Christmas. That wasn't something that you did. And when I say celebrate, I'm talking about as a church as a whole, okay? So we we didn't do that. You weren't allowed to have a church, uh, a Christmas tree inside uh, the church building. And you weren't allowed to talk about the holiday from the pulpit. That's not what you do. And, And the reason why we said that is because you don't know the day when Jesus was born. Amen. So how can you celebrate the 25th when you really don't know that's a pagan holiday and it has pagan uh, rituals and, and a pagan history? I understand all of that. But can we at least celebrate the arrival of Jesus? I don't know about you, but that's something that I can celebrate, that Jesus came in the flesh to take me away from my sins and give me hope for the future. That's something to celebrate. And we can celebrate that every single day. Another thing that I heard is you shouldn't believe in Santa Claus because he's not a real character and you shouldn't cause your children to believe in Santa Claus. Children, don't, don't believe that, okay? Just cover your ears, all right? Um, we'll let your parents flesh that out afterwards. <laughs> um, but let me tell you this, the season of Advent is vitally important to the life of every single Christian. And I think all of us can agree on that, vitally important for the life of the Christian. Whether you believe in the actual day, the 25th or not, or about Santa Claus or not, it's vitally important. I want to start this morning with a short video clip to give us some perspective on this this wonderful, wonderful celebratory time. Waiting. The action of staying where one is. Time passing. Expecting something to happen until one day it does. Advent is a time of waiting, of hope, of anticipation. God tells us in Galatians that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Advent is the church in waiting. The church's yearly reminder each December of what Christians worldwide anticipate in the days before Christmas. We wait for Christmas 
as Israel waited centuries for a savior, for God to fulfill his covenant. They waited for a virgin son to Abraham's line, a descendant of Isaac, Jacob, and David, for a branch from the rod of Jesse, for a baby born in Bethlehem called Emmanuel. For generations, God's people waited for the fulfillment of countless Old Testament prophecies of a savior who would light this world brighter than any Magi star. Jesus was the long-awaited hope to a dark and sinful world. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. As Christians wait for the light of Christmas, the four Advent candles are lit with each week's passing, and blue decorates the altar to receive our King with hope. But we know that our hoping and waiting doesn't stop at Christmas, because He's coming back on the last day, a second Advent. So as we hope for Christmas, we continue to wait and pray for our Savior to come again. So last week, uh, Carl, he caught me at the back of the auditorium and he said, Jason, uh, you mentioned Advent and you said it's the second coming and the arrival. He said, which one is it? And I said, Carl, yes. He said, Jason, which one is it? The second coming or the arrival? And I, I said, yes, right? And what I mean by that is, is Advent by definition is this Latin word that means coming or arrival. So in Advent, we really celebrate or we, we send devotion to two aspects of, of the life of Jesus. One, during Advent, we celebrate the fact that he actually came in the flesh, that, that he came, that he arrived here in the flesh and he walked this earth. And then secondarily to that, we celebrate the fact that he is coming again a second time. And that's what we do during this Advent season. We celebrate the arrival and we eagerly await his second coming. Now, I don't know about you. I can't wait for Jesus to come back. I can't. I can't. And I'm not saying that because the world is just so terrible and full of stuff and, and mess. And, and it is. But I'm just excited to be with the Lord. And I hope he comes right now. Amen. While we're in church worshiping him, he comes back. We get to go up to glory with our friends and our family members and our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's exciting to think about the second coming of Jesus. So this morning, we're going to look at a couple of passages of Scripture that really deal with this idea of Advent. So if you have your Bibles this morning, the first passage of Scripture that we're going to look at is Luke chapter 1 and verse number 14. Luke chapter 1 and verses 14 through 16. And the scripture says here, He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. So during this season, you know what we're doing? We're rejoicing that he came. It's an exciting time. It's okay to do that. We rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his birth. And verse number 16, many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord 
their God. So if you look in your bulletin, you have sermon notes or a sermon outline, and you can follow along with them. And I've highlighted some of the words uh, for you to fill in so you can keep, keep on track with us this morning. But we celebrate and we rejoice because of his birth. And that's, guess what? That's in Scripture, <laughs> right? So this is a time of great celebration. And secondarily to that, like I said, we eagerly await the second coming. Now, a little bit of history, some, some practical historical knowledge. You know, no one exactly knows when the church began to celebrate Advent. But commentators say that there were some French monks that, that, that four weeks before uh, December 25th, they decided to hold a fast. And they would fast every single week up until the time of December 25th. And these French monks were devout, and, and the church began to catch on to what they were doing. And they had this conversation, and they said, you know what? Maybe we can implement some of these ideas. You're using spiritual discipline. Maybe we can add this into the liturgical side of the church. So from about the 5th century uh, up until now, uh, the church has been celebrating Advent. And this devotion had an a profound impact on, on the life of the church and, and the rituals associated with, with Mass. So, so if you're following your outline, I want to ask this question and then we're going to answer it, okay? The question is, what difference does Christmas make to the Christian? What difference does Christmas make to the Christian? Or another way to really ask this question is, what does Christmas mean to the Christian? Say that five times fast, amen? What does Christmas mean to the Christian? If you go to this next slide, I've got three points for your learning, so you can jot this down and write this down and, and follow along with us. Why is Christmas so important to us? Well, the first thing that makes me think about why it's so important is, is because with Jesus' arrival, my past can be forgiven. My, my past can be forgiven. And I don't know about you, but my past isn't the best, amen? I've had some struggles in my life. I've made some poor choices. But because of Jesus, all that stuff doesn't matter anymore, amen? And that's what's exciting about this Advent season. You know guilt has a devastating effect on our lives. You ever felt guilty before? Guilt takes away our happiness. Amen? Guilt causes depression. And guess what? It can even make you physically sick when you're carrying around guilt. And people will do anything to relieve themselves of guilt. And one of the things that people try to do is they try to self-medicate. So they take drugs and they get drunk often and or, or maybe they try therapy. Some people live a life of, of, of thrills, right? So they go skydiving, right? Or go swim with sharks just to take their mind away from the guilt. Other people travel, right? They get on the airplane and go travel to different parts of the country they, they, just, to, just to clear themselves of the stuff that they've been carrying. And some people become workaholics, right? Spend all your time at work engaged in that so you don't have to deal with the poor decisions that you made in your past. But there's something so powerful about Jesus coming. Because Jesus came, our guilt, our sins, 
our iniquities, everything that we're carrying has been taken away. And the great thing about God's forgiveness is that it's instant. It's instant, right? You don't have to wait through a long period of time to be forgiven. And that's what's so exciting about Advent. So if you are stuck in a lifestyle of sin and you come forward and you say, Lord, forgive me. He doesn't say, well, give me about three months. I want to see how you're going to interact. I want to see if you're really, really repentant. No, when you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, he says, you got it. And from that very moment, everything is washed away. And that's powerful. Powerful. What else? Well, God's forgiveness is undeserved. You'll never earn it. You can't work for it. You can't beg God for it. You can't bribe God for it. Some people, and maybe you've encountered people like this, make you work for their forgiveness, don't they? You know people like that, amen? You've got to do a series of steps. You've got to jump through so many hoops in order for them to finally forgive you. But the thing about God's forgiveness is that it's undeserved. And what else? Think about God's forgiveness is that it's complete. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 25 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. You'll never earn it. It's instant, it's undeserved, and it's complete. You know, the God who made the entire world chooses to forget your sin once it's forgiven. He chooses to forget. And that's the powerful thing about forgiveness when it comes to God's forgiveness. God forgets it. I wish we can do a better job of that in the flesh. Have you heard this illustration before? And I've heard it by some church leaders. They say, you know, when you hurt someone, it's like you cut them. And when you cut them, there leaves a scar. And over time, the scar begins to heal, but there will always be a scar. So when you look at the scar, you're always reminded of what happened. But guess what? When God forgives you, that scar is completely healed. It's no longer there. Well, what about this illustration? There's a person with a piece of paper, and they climb up to Mount Everest, and they rip that piece of paper into a thousand pieces, and they let the wind take it. That's kind of what happens when we use choice or poor words and we gossip about people or we hurt people. And when you let that paper go, it, it flies all over the place. And then try to go and collect that paper. You'll never, ever be able to collect all the pieces of paper. You've heard that illustration before, right? But with God, he collects every single piece of paper. He can find all, even to the, the smallest fiber. And he can repair it. So it's completely whole. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 or 18 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God is in the business of repairing and restoring and making things all new. So if there is someone here this morning who's been living contrary to the will of God and you're broken, your relationships are broken, God can restore everything. 
He can repair everything. He can reconcile any and every situation that you find yourself in today. If you put faith and trust and hope in him, he can do it. Point number two, what else? Uh, Because Jesus Christ came, my present can be managed. That's point number two, right? I gave you those three points. My past can be forgiven. My present can be managed. I don't know about you, but during this time of year, I meet some really stressed out people. Say amen if you can, right? In the last six weeks, I've met some of the most stressed out people that I have seen in a long time. And I don't know if it's because of the economy or if it's because of the holidays, I think in terms, maybe it's because of the holidays. But would you agree with me that at times life can wear you down? At times, is there seasons in your life where you just feel drained and everybody gets on your nerves? (laughs) No, okay. You know, and it seems to me that everyone is looking for an additional pick-me-up to get them through the stresses of life. It was about 7 o'clock yesterday, and I was at the gas station uh, before I went out to, to Santa Ana, and I saw this guy who had bloodshot eyes. You know what he got? He got a cup of coffee. I'm talking about the big one from the AMPM. It's like $1.29. I don't know about that. I'm saying, he, you know, he went there and got that. And then in addition to that, he had two monster drinks, the big ones, Right? And I was like, oh, my goodness. I said, that'll last you the whole day. And he said, no, this will last me about an hour and a half. And I said, oh, my. You know, people are looking for pick-me-ups. They want to be revived, and they want to feel like they can make it through life. How many times have you gone to Starbucks where the line is outside the door, right? Everybody wants their vente mocha something or whatever, right? That's why you should go to Pete's, amen. No, they should, but anyway, lines outside the door. People want pick-me-ups. They want to be able to get through life. But guess what I read in Scripture? You don't need any of that. What you need is found in Philippians chapter 4 in this next passage. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed, whether living in plenty or in want. And look at verse number 13, the one that we love, right? What does it say? I can do everything through him that gives me strength. You don't need those monsters. You don't need that venti mochaccino. I can't even say it. Anyway, all you need is Jesus. And Jesus can help you manage your life. And that's the exciting thing about being a Christian. Lastly, what's point number three on this list of how Christian or how Christmas affects us or how is it? meaningful to us or what does it mean to us it means this lastly point number three jesus came so that my future can be guaranteed that's right jesus came so our future can be guaranteed you see the lord doesn't want you to fear death he doesn't want you to fear death now we can fear the pain of death because it might be painful right but he doesn't want us to fear death it says jesus came to set us free from the fear of death in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power over death, that is the devil. Verse number 15, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. But Jesus came so we don't have to fear death. Why don't we fear death? Well, because you already know where you're going. Amen? You already have a home prepared for you. So you don't have anything to worry about. 
you know that your relationship in God and Jesus Christ is secure. He's your friend. He's your brother. So you're not worried about what's going to happen. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain, as the scripture says. Amen? So these three points, if you're taking notes again, Christmas is important because my present can be managed. My, or I'm sorry, my uh, past can be forgiven. My present can be managed and my future can be guaranteed. As I close this morning, I, I really want to look at Acts chapter 4 and verse number 20. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 20. And I want to leave you with a personal challenge during this holiday season. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 20. You've read Acts chapter 4. It's a powerful passage. Here in this passage, Peter and John were preaching the good news in Jerusalem, going around sharing the good news, uh, and they were talking about this idea of the resurrection from the dead right? And this was a huge problem to some of the Jews during this time period because there was a group called the Sadducees, and they didn't believe in the resurrection, and that's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> no, no, you, you've heard that one before, right? <laughs> that was a, okay, all right. Anyway, they were sad, so they were preaching about the resurrection. The, the Sadducees were upset, right? And so they told the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin council, rounded up Peter and John, and you know what they said to Peter and John? Don't you preach anymore, about Jesus Christ. Don't preach in his name. Don't teach about him. We don't want to hear anything about Jesus. And I, I love their response. And this is their response. But we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. And church, I hope this is our response today as well. I hope this concept is in our hearts, and in our minds, and in our thought process wherever we go. We can't help speaking about what we've seen and what we have heard. We can't help it. We have to. So here's my personal challenge to you this week. As I was thinking, you know, what can I, I challenge you with as a congregation? I'm going to give you three points. Maybe you can write this down on the back of your, your outline or something like that. But I want to give you three things that I'd love for you to practice, put into practice this week, okay, that can really help us with this idea of speaking about what we've seen and what we heard, okay? So during this season, what do I want you to do? What's my challenge to do this week? This is something really easy, and I mention it often, but invite somebody to church during this sermon series. Will you do that? Will you invite just one person, friend, family member, co-worker? You know, there are two times a year where you're allowed to invite somebody to church, and they're not allowed to fuss with you. Amen? Right? Christmas, and what's the other? Easter. Amen. So this is a good time for you to say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? And if they go, you can say, hey, it's Christmas. It's Easter. You're not allowed to complain, right? So invite someone to church next week during this sermon series. Bring them here. They'll come. You know, we have a fellowship luncheon today. It'd be a good idea if we have any visitors here this morning. You guys stay with us. And church members, invite your, your friend or your visitor, because a lot of times people say, well, I didn't prepare any food, so I don't need to come. Don't worry about that. You come anyway. We want to have you there. We want to fellowship with you. We want to enjoy your company. What else can you invite people to? Well, you know we have a Christmas party on the 12th, which is this Saturday, right? This Saturday. This would be a good time for you to invite a friend out. If they don't want to come to big church, they can come to a Christmas party, right? And then I'll preach the gospel. No, okay, but just bring them anyway. Amen. We'd love to have them here uh, to be a part of this. So will you do that? That's challenge number one. Invite somebody to church or to our Christmas party, or to our fellowship luncheon. 
Here's another one that I really want you to write down and pay attention. During this month, during this week, this week in particular, but I want this to extend through the whole month, say yes and smile more. Okay? Say yes and smile more. During this season, I don't know about you, but everybody seems to be a little bit more stressed out. So you do the opposite of what everybody is doing and say yes and smile more. You know, one of my pet peeves, and I hope I don't get in trouble by my wife, but I'm using her as a sermon illustration, amen, so I'm walking over here. Um, whenever I go to the grocery store, Mary sends me to get a couple of items, and I pick up the items, I get in line, I pay for them, and I'm in the car getting ready to drive home. You know what she does? She calls me and says, Jason, I forgot one other thing, right? And it drives me crazy, right? Because I just want to hurry up and get done, right? So you know what I did yesterday? I said, Yes, you got it. And she couldn't see me smiling over the phone, but I was smiling. You got it, right? You got it. And it's amazing what it does when you say yes and smile more. If your in-laws want to stay with you for two nights, just say yes and smile more, amen? Right? If your neighbor is playing that holiday music extra loud with their windows open and they ask you, does this bother you? Okay, don't, that doesn't apply. Don't say yes. <laughs> you get where I'm going. Say yes and smile during this time. And I guarantee you it will work wonders for you during this season. It really will. Just say yes and smile. Amen. And then lastly, uh, I want to leave you with this. Go volunteer somewhere. Okay. I know for a fact that during this time of year, there are nonprofit organizations, schools, places where you can go that are all over the place where they're looking for some people to volunteer during this time. I want to share this next picture because I had a really, really cool experience. Yes, yes, that's me. Really cool experience. Um, yesterday, which was Saturday, I got to go to Martin Henniger uh, Middle School. And the reason I was out there is there was this nonprofit uh, that called me up and said, Jason, would you mind going to teach uh, some, some music uh, to our kids. And I said, no problem. So I showed up. There must have been 50 kids. Bobby came out for that. There was about 50 kids. And my job was to teach them how to write uh, music lyrics. But before that, I got to perform some of my songs before the kids, right? And the nonprofit organization said, Jason, we know you're a preacher, but don't go around trying to proselytize and baptize these kids, okay? And I said, you got it, right? But you know me, amen, right? So one of the songs that I performed was called Trust in the Lord, right? And during the chorus, I had the kids sing along with me, and it goes, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, right? So I would sing the verse, and then during the chorus, they all started screaming it. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And one of the uh, coordinators came up to me, and they said, you know what? Do you think that message really resonated with the kids? Because I saw their eyes lighting up and they were excited. And I said, yeah, I think it did. And I think we were able to preach the gospel today in a very kind of cool, contemporary way. That's all it takes, church. Go and volunteer somewhere. Give of your time. Share the love of the Lord. And I guarantee you, God will be pleased with you. You'll be encouraged. And some powerful things can happen through it. So by way of invitation this morning, I hope and pray that you remember some of the principles that we talked about. This is a wonderful time of year, okay? Whether you celebrate or don't celebrate, Advent is important to everybody, and the birth of Jesus is really important. So we can all agree on that, amen, okay? 
So if there's someone here this morning with a need, or if there's someone who wants to put Jesus Christ on in baptism this morning, this is opportunity for you to come forward. The church will pray with you and pray for you. Whatever your needs or concerns 